Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did that made this possible. That we can assemble here together today and worship your name and rejoice in what you did in the sacrifice that you made and that early in the morning on that first day you rose again Amen. and without that we would have no hope but you did rise and you are alive today and we have this hope we thank you Lord I ask you to speak through me today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have been raised or, or studied the Bible very long, you might have a favorite character, a favorite person who you've read about or heard about who means something special to you. And maybe when you get to heaven, you'd like to ask them questions. Maybe you'd like to ask Adam what it was like the first time he laid eyes on Eve. Or maybe you'd like to ask Noah, how did you exactly get all those animals in that boat? Or maybe Abraham, what it was like to, uh, to leave everything that he knew and head off on this journey just because God told him to. Or to sacrifice his own son on that altar. Or maybe one of the famous judges, Gideon, who defeated the, the army of thousands with, with 300 guys. Or maybe Samuel. Or maybe one of the famous kings like David or Solomon. Or maybe one of the famous women like Deborah or Esther or Mary. Or maybe one of the apostles. Maybe you'd like to ask Peter what it was like to, to walk on the water or to speak to those people there when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost or John or Paul. You know who I want to talk to? Thomas. Yep, doubting Thomas. And yes, he did. He, but his story didn't end there. You know, many of us are like that. Especially, well, especially me. I love reading his story because I think, yep, there I am. I would, I would be that guy. I regret sometimes Oh, I'm thankful for God's grace and I hope that you'll see that today. I, I, I'm, I feel a little bit like him in that as God worked in my life and as he did what he said he was going to do, I had to see it happen before I really got it. Before I really believed it. Mm -hmm. Even our, 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 our society teaches us You've got to see it. The materialist view of science says if you can't prove it, it's not real. They've forgotten that it was scientists pursuing an understanding, there was people pursuing an understanding of God that gave us science in the first place. 
God defines what reality is. So to study what reality is, is to glorify God. Not to uh, turn away from Him. Sometimes what we see in the world just doesn't seem to agree with what we think it's supposed to be like. And we're looking at what's happening around us and we're saying, you're going to have to show me. I don't, I don't see it here. So we kind of pick on Thomas. You know, we, we sing the little song as kids. Don't be a doubting Thomas. I don't remember the rest of the song. <laughs> but did you know, did you know that they all doubted? Thomas was not unique. In fact, it says in Mark that when Mary first went to tell him they didn't believe her. Right. The other thing. I want you to see, we're going to read a, a little passage here. Is that Jesus did not condemn Thomas. He said, don't be a doubter to believe. But he didn't condemn Thomas. Mm -hmm. He offered, though, a special blessing. And I realized something, even this morning, as I was trying to figure out, okay, I've got all this. How does it all come together? He offered us a blessing that none of the disciples got. What does that look like? I don't know. But I'll show you how that's true when we get done here. Let's start by reading. I'm going to pick up kind of in the middle. Jesus has already shown up once. And all the disciples have seen them, have seen him except for Thomas. So starting in John chapter 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach in with your finger and see my hands. And reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Amen. That's the special blessing that we have. None of the disciples got that. Guess what? Because they already they did see him. He said, blessed are they who did not see and yet believe. Mm -hmm. We don't know a whole lot about Thomas. It, all of the other Gospels only name him as one of the twelve disciples. They don't say anything about him. Every time you see his name in John, it's followed with by the note that he's 
called Demas. Some translations will say the twin. So he must have been a twin, but we don't know anything about the twin. He, he doesn't show up anywhere. Hmm. But only John records anything else about Thomas. And it's not very much. And, but I think it might reveal maybe a little bit about Thomas, but I, I have to think that John's put it in here to teach us something, too. The first time we see him is in response to Jesus. This is the story of Lazarus that we went over uh, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and they are going to return and the Jews want to kill Jesus. So Jesus is waiting where he is. Then he, he uh, goes ahead and decides they're going to go. And Thomas says something here that sounds sort of pessimistic. He said, he said therefore Thomas, and this, I didn't put any of these up there, but if you wanted to look, it's in chapter 11, 16. Therefore Thomas, who was called Thomas, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. And then, a little bit later, Jesus is speaking with his disciples in John chapter 14. And he's telling them that he's about to go and he says, you know where I'm going, you know the way that I'm going. But Thomas speaks up, being the, the literalist, being the realist, he, he speaks up and he says, oh, wait a minute here. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus' response is very revealing, and we quote it all the time. In the next verse, he said, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Amen. Amen. You'll also find him after the story that we have in chapter 20. He's with the disciples when uh, they're all together. And it's not all of them. I count about seven. Uh, two of whom are unnamed. Uh, but they're out and they decide to go fishing. And then Jesus shows up. He also find you know, his name mentioned uh, as being uh, the disciples in the upper room. So Thomas misses out on something. We'll come back to that again. But after that, he's there. And I made some observations as I look at Thomas's life in, in what little bit we have of it. And I should point out that there are only observations. And they're just my thoughts and shouldn't be taken you know, without a, a truly searching the Scripture for yourself. The question I had is, why is it that John is telling us these things about Thomas? And I think that he's doing it perhaps to teach us some underlying principles about our faith. And maybe to explain a little bit. I don't know... If uh, Thomas was getting a bad rep and he wanted to kind of splash things out or something, I, I don't really know the answer to that. 
But when I look at Thomas, I see somebody who, who's a realist. Why would he say, for example, let, let us go so that we may die with him well? I, this is not necessarily a depressive or pessimistic. Maybe he needed some medications or something. But the fact of the matter is that the Jews were seeking to kill Jesus. And the chances are that the followers would get caught up in that. So what you're actually seeing here is a willingness looking at the facts. Thomas is looking at the facts and saying, look, if we go back, not only are they going to kill him, they're probably going to kill us. But let's go. What you see here is devotion to Jesus. And then he, he asked that question later. Well, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. How, how are we supposed to know the way? Now this is where his literalism gets him in trouble. Because he's not seeing the bigger picture that Jesus is trying to show them. He doesn't yet understand. Guess what? He's not alone. None of them get it yet. So what about the doubt? He had the same facts as all the others. But he put too much trust in his own senses. And his own senses betrayed him. Now we don't know, by the way, how the others would have reacted in the same situation. See, they'd already seen Jesus. <clears throat> But they didn't believe either the first time that Mary came and told them. In fact, we find out in, uh, in Luke 24 that before they could be completely convinced that it really was him, Jesus had to eat something. They all thought he was a ghost or something. So Thomas really, I mean, he's sort of getting, getting uh, held out there by, by John, I think, to, to help us understand. But he's no different than all the others. None of them got it. In fact, in Matthew 28, right before that famous verse that we all know about going into all the world, the Great Commission we call it, it says even at that point, just before Jesus is about to, to, to leave, it says, but some doubted. Some as in more than one. So we all, even the people who are with him the whole time, we all struggle with, with our own doubts. So to look a little bit more closely at this exchange, <clears throat> I mentioned before that Thomas missed out on something. He did. He wasn't there. We don't know why he wasn't there the first time that Jesus showed up, why he wasn't hanging with the other disciples. And I don't know that it does us a whole lot of good to speculate on why that is. We're not told Bible doesn't give us anything. But the reasons abound. Could have had personal business. Wouldn't necessarily anything bad. Uh, could have been depressed and not wanting to hang around with anybody. We don't know. We're not told. But he missed something very special because he wasn't with the other people uh, that were following, following Jesus. Because it tells us in the few verses before the ones we read, that when Jesus was there the first time,
first time, he breathed on each of them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Thomas appears to be in the upper room with the rest of them and gets filled with the same the Spirit the same way that all of us who didn't have that personal visitation get filled with the Spirit. He was filled in the same way we are, no doubt. But he missed out on something special with the Lord because he wasn't where he should be with the other disciples. And my question for us is, what do we miss when we isolate ourselves from God's people? Now, the way that Thomas phrases his statement to the disciples when they first tell him that he doesn't believe indicates that he knows the story. He knows what happened. He knew the way that Jesus died and everything that was done to him, including the, the piercing in the side. And he knew the natural impossibility that anybody could walk away from that. But yet, he had seen the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead along with all the rest of them. But when Jesus shows up again, he leaves no room for doubt. He challenges Thomas with his own words. And yes, he admonishes his doubt. He says, don't doubt, but believe. Jesus often did this. When he called the storm in Matthew chapter 8, he said, and they were, you might remember the story, they're, they're frightened. He's asleep in the back of the boat. They're afraid. And they wake him up and say, hey, we're going to die. Don't you care? He calls the storm and he says, where's your faith? We have another incident like that with Peter. He's walking on the water. Now, get this. Peter is walking on the water. He got out of the boat and he walked on the water. Then he lost his focus and began to sink. Jesus says, why did you doubt? You know, from my perspective, we kind of we laughed at Peter over that, but he had more faith than all the rest of them. He got out of that boat. Yes. <laughs> a few verses later in chapter 16 of Matthew, He's, he's fed thousands of people on at least two different occasions. And he's telling them to be, uh, to be cautious of the, the corrupted teaching of the Pharisees. And he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're talking about not having any bread. He says, don't you get it yet? Where's your faith? Then later on, when they couldn't cast out the, the demon from the demon-possessed boy, he says, they asked him why, and he said, because of the littleness of your faith. So Jesus is in the habit of challenging our faith and saying, don't be, don't be doubtful. Believe what I'm telling you. Believe what you see. But Thomas is not excluded. Then Jesus 
offers a blessing. He says, and you believe because you've seen, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's all of us. We have not seen. We believe. Amen. We are blessed. Amen. Right. We didn't see it. No one, or at least very few people, if ever, uh, uh, have gotten a personal visit. You know, Paul got one early on. But there's probably not a whole lot of people who've gotten a personal bodily visit for Jesus from Jesus since he left there. No one gets to get in a time machine and go back. I, if all the places I would want to go, that would be that would be one of them. I would love to have a personal conversation with, with Jesus back then. Of course, there would be a bit of a language barrier. But we're not going to get to physically, most likely, until we get up there to see them. That does not mean that there's no evidence. The historical existence of Jesus is really not in serious doubt by most people, even those who don't believe he is who he says he is. If you read some of the work of a, of a uh, man named J. Warner Wallace, he points out the ways in which the Bible authenticates itself by the mere improb by the very improbability that it presents. Women being the first witnesses in a culture that didn't respect the testimony of women. The fact that the disciples' flaws, even what we've studied today about, about Thomas, are put out there for all to see. And, you know, what happened with Peter and all these things that normally you don't have. When the victors write the history, generally you don't have all of these uh, compromising details included. It lends itself to the truth. The multiple eyewitness accounts. The other thing that he talks about in that is that you know we look at the gospels and how they differ somewhat in the recounting of things. And he says that's exactly what you expect from multiple eyewitnesses. Nobody remembers it the same way. It doesn't make it any less true. You just have to look in different places to put the pieces together. The impact of Christianity on the world has shaped the Western world and, and given us the things that we have today, given us really the prosperity that we have today. And you had the disciples who were willing to die for what they saw. I said Thomas' story didn't end there. We don't, some of the details are questionable. But there's good reason to believe that Thomas did in fact go to India and become a missionary there. And there are Indian Christians today who claim that they're there because of Thomas. Thomas's story didn't end with that encounter with Jesus. In fact, you might even say it started there. But one of the things, the crucial things that we can learn from this exchange is that belief, when you come right down to it, it's a matter of the heart. 
Thomas may have taken a little more convincing than the others. I don't know that that's really true when you think about the fact that they all got you know, they all got to see him the first time around, and they didn't believe the first time they were told either. But he did believe. But we say we want evidence, but the truth is, evidence isn't enough. You might remember the story uh, that Jesus told that had a, a prophetic note in it when he told the story of another Lazarus, the poor man who was at the gate of the rich man and they both died. And the uh, Lazarus was in paradise and the rich man was in hell and he said, well, send Lazarus back. Well, you know, they believe if somebody rose from the dead. And he said, no. Jesus said, even if somebody raised from the dead, uh, they're not going to believe. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. They're not going to believe them. They're not going to believe if somebody rose from the dead. Even, even among the atheist community, the, the more honest among them will tell you, you know, I, I don't, I don't want there to be a God. If there's a God, I have to change the way I live, and I don't want to change. Right. I forget the man's name that just came right out and said that. But when it comes right down to it, it's not evidence that convinces us. It's the work of God's Holy Spirit. Jesus said as much. Nobody can come unless the Father draws we believe in our hearts regardless of the proof. There is proof, but it really starts in our hearts. And Jesus said, we're blessed. We've got a blessing that they, think they, they don't have. And what does that look like? What does that mean? I don't know. But we are the ones who have not seen and yet believe. Amen. You know, maybe today you're a little bit like Thomas. I am. But Thomas believed. And you can choose to believe. And a blessing awaits you if you choose to believe. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing us that really at the end of the day, it's not about anything but you and your Holy Spirit drawing us to you. And I pray, Lord, that if there is anyone who has not made that crucial decision and then drawn, drawn to you, that this will be today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.